We're looking at the subject of the Holy Spirit again, and last week we started our study on the work of the Holy Spirit. And today we're looking at part two, and then next Wednesday we'll look at part three as we look at the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And so there's many different aspects of the Holy Spirit, and I trust that it's been a help to you. I was meeting with a lady last week, my wife and I, and uh, she watches this online. And while I was talking about the Holy Spirit, and particularly the subject of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, which was a three-part study message, um, she said she came to the conclusion that she had not indeed trusted Christ as her Savior, although she had prayed about 45 years ago. And I said, well, tell me about that. And she said, well, someone came and witnessed at her door and then uh, came in and talked to her. And I said, well, did you receive Christ as your Savior then? And she said, well, if I'm honest, I would say I prayed to get rid of them. I said, well, you don't get saved that way. (laughs) And you can't be coerced into salvation. It's a voluntary thing. They can share the information. And you can pray all day long, but unless it's your will and your decision, it's not salvation. But when you decide, I said, that's salvation. And I said, she said, I've had doubts for all these years. And I said, well, certainly when you've had those doubts, then you acted on those and you probably prayed and said, Lord, uh, I've had those doubts. And so I want to settle that. So I now uh, receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. And if I did not get saved then, I certainly want to get saved now. I said, you probably did that, didn't you? And she said, no. Oh, okay. She said, well, I don't feel saved. And I said, well, if you did not trust Christ as your personal Savior as an act of your will, place call upon the name of the Lord out of an open heart, and you have not since done that to rectify that, knowing that that probably wasn't your salvation. I never try to convince anyone who has doubts about their salvation that they're saved. But that's all that had happened for 45 years is people would say, of course you're saved. Well, now, if if you want to base your living and choose that as the backup for your salvation, may I say that many people that believe in our cultic, believe in cults, not Christianity, can live moral lives. Moral lives will not get us to heaven. No doubt some people live better than most Christians, but getting, having a good life doesn't get us there. Placing faith in Christ does get us there. But she said, you were teaching about the Holy Spirit and you were talking about the Holy Spirit guiding you and the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And she said, I've never had the Holy Spirit speak to me. One of the sure signs of your salvation is the Holy Spirit of God directs you and guides you and speaks to you, witnesses to you. And we'll cover that subject again uh, tonight. 
And I said, do you want to settle it? And she said, I sure do. And so she placed her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and big old tears. She was so happy. I'm just saying, sometimes if we are not careful, we'll, we'll look at someone who may be as faithful in church for a long time and think, just assume, well, you, you, surely you're saved. But I say all that to say, make sure, the Bible says um, to make sure our salvation and to know that we have trusted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. It's not saying make sure you live up to the name of a Christian. It's making sure you are a Christian. None of us will live up to the name of a Christian in totality. We're not saved by our goodness. We're saved by Christ's goodness. And so just know that you've placed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I would rather doubt when I trusted Christ as my Savior as doubt I trusted Christ as my Savior. And so settle it if you ever have any doubts. We're looking at the role of the Holy Spirit of God. And let me just once again reiterate. I knew about the role of the Holy Spirit of God as a young Christian. I went to a good Bible-believing church and they would teach on um, every subject found in the Word of God and preach the full counsel. But I did not have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I knew that he indwelt me as a believer, but that's about the end of it. I knew he was the third part of the Trinity. I knew that. Uh, I knew his role was to bring us to Christ. I knew his role was to conform us into the image of Christ. And there I've just shared all that I knew about the Holy Spirit as far as in my life. Uh, but many years ago at a conference, it was the whole conference was, conference was on the Holy Spirit in a good Baptist church preaching about yielding to the Holy Spirit and having the power of the Holy Spirit of God on your life and having the Holy Spirit of God empower what you're endeavoring to do for the cause of Christ. And it literally changed my life. And from that moment on, uh, God started doing uh, just amazing things, uh, not supernatural things other than the supernatural being people got saved. Lives got changed. I mean, church things happened. Things that are supposed to happen in a church. Uh, getting people coming to faith in Christ, that's, a, that's just as natural as showing up at church. You ought to expect every single week people getting saved. You ought to expect that. Uh, you ought to know that there's people getting saved in our children's department, in our teenage department, uh, in the adult services. There's people getting saved every single Sunday. It's just an amazing thing. When the Holy Spirit of God is working, the Holy Spirit of God drives the truth of the gospel home. And that's, that's the key. That while we're speaking on the outside, the Holy Spirit of God is speaking on the inside. Church is not an intellectual activity. It's not a place just to come and take notes like you're going to a test or, or sitting in a history class and you're just taking notes. It's, it's not just what you put on paper, it's what God's writing on your heart. Because that's what transforms us, is what the Spirit of God does in our lives 
while we listen to the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, while we have our own devotions, the Spirit of God will uh, conform us into that image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So with that being said, we continue on the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit witnesses. The Holy Spirit witnesses. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 32, it says, And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. So the Holy Spirit of God witnesses uh, here in Acts. The apostles are saying, we, were, we are witnesses of these things. And then they say, and so also is the Holy Spirit. So it's not just us. Because you and I have not heard the apostles give their personal testimony to us. But the Holy Spirit of God has. And the Holy Spirit of God has confirmed his word to us and speaks to us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, I referred to that last week. How do we know we're saved? Because the Holy Spirit of God lets us know. He bears witness with our spirit that we are indeed the child of God. May I say, if someone is lost... You'll never be able to convince them they're saved unless they trust Christ as their Savior. If someone is saved, you'll never be able to convince them they're lost by looking at their life and telling them what a terrible life they live. They'll say, hey, listen, I know I'm backslidden. I know I'm not living right. I know I'm not living for Christ. But I do know I have indeed trusted Christ as my personal Savior. You will never be able to get a Christian lost who knows they've trusted Christ as their Savior. I could ask you tonight, and I won't have us all raise our hand because we all would. Has there been a time in your life where you felt like you were a little backslidden or maybe a lot backslidden away from the Lord, but you still know that you had at one time trusted Christ as your personal Savior? I believe that's going to be the experience of 99.9% of the people here. And, you know, point one is going to lie to us, but that's okay. No, All of us have had that experience where you're away from the Lord, but you knew that you were saved. You weren't where you ought to be, but you had trusted Christ. Why? Because the Holy Spirit beareth witness with our spirit. You know you trusted Christ sincerely. Romans chapter 9 verse 1 says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So here he's saying... His conscience is bearing him witness, but then he says, in the Holy Ghost. So in other words, the Apostle Paul knows as a Christian, you can't trust your conscience. You're going to trust what God says because we have our own viewpoint of what all truth is. But our human uh, values is what truth is, is skewed. And that's why we look to God's word. God's word is truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So we trust him, and we know that he will not lie to us, and the Holy Spirit of God will guide us into all truth. So we trust his testimony. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15, Wherefore the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before. Now that's interesting. The Apostle Paul by the early church fathers, was agreed to be the author of Hebrews. I don't know why in these last 30, 40 years people say nobody knows who wrote Hebrews. I understand that. 
I've never heard a professor say dogmatically the Apostle Paul, but I have read that all the early church fathers agreed that Paul, the Apostle Paul was the author of Hebrews. And I sort of think they're closer to when he wrote it than we are, and they have a better knowledge and knew more about Paul and his ministry than we do. And so I believe he did. And if he did, that means he wrote over half of the books in the New Testament, over half. Hebrews would be the deciding book that gave him over half of the 27 books in the New Testament. And that's pretty impressive. Now, we also know that uh, the Apostle Paul did not witness uh, the ministry of Jesus Christ. He was not an eyewitness like the regular apostles were. But he did spend three years in Arabia where he says, and the Word of God says, declares that he was taught of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Ghost was the witness for things he did not see. And so he had great confidence. Here's a man who was beheaded for the cause of the Christ. You do not go through getting your head separated from your body because you hope what you heard was true. I hope it was true. No, if you're basing your knowledge and your, not, your life and your eternal life on what you're hoping for, once they lay the head on the block, you'd say, well, I might be wrong. But when you know that you know that you're right, it's go ahead and swing. I'm going to be in heaven here in just a minute. I'm going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. You realize people are martyred every day for the cause of Christ and all they have to do is recount, recant. All they have to do, not recount, <laughs> recant. And so uh, we're not having an election here, are we? Okay, recount, recount. But you have to say, I, I don't believe it. Okay, now you can walk away. We're not going to kill you. We're not going to behead you. We're not going to slice your throat. We're not going to shoot you. We're not going to stone you. We're not, you're going to be set free. Why? All you have to do is say, I, I don't believe in Jesus now. But they won't. Why won't they? Because a Christian knows that his only hope for eternity is Jesus Christ. We are not going to back up on Jesus. Well, we'll threaten you. Well, that's okay. Well, we'll, we'll punish you. Okay, if you do what you must. But Jesus is my Savior, and I'm never going to say anything other than that. 1 John chapter 5, verse 6, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Now this witness of the Holy Spirit is how we know that we're doing what God wants. How do you know you're following the will of God? The Holy Spirit uh, confirms that to you. He bears witness with you that you are. He shows you in the word where you are. He confirms it in your heart. And keep in mind, the Holy Spirit will never um, go contrary to the word of God. He will always guide us into all truth. He will always back up the word of God. Sometimes I've heard people say, well, I think God's leading me to do this. I said, well, I don't think so. Why would you not think that, Pastor? Because what you're suggesting is contrary to the clear teaching of the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit of God would never uh, lead somebody in that way. 
That's why the Bible says we compare spiritual with spiritual. Spiritual meaning the leading of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit's leading me to do this. Okay, I compare spiritual, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, with spiritual, the Word of God. They will always line up. And if they don't line up, then it's not right. Then the leading of the Holy Spirit is not right because He will always guide us into all truth. Thy Word is truth, the Bible says. And so... We can see that the Holy Spirit witnesses. And this witness of the Holy Spirit is also our guidance system as a Christian to confirm or negate choices. Lord, should I do this or should I do that? Lord, do you want me to get this job or do you want me to get this job? And as a Christian, we like to pray about things in our life, everything in our life. Anything of importance, and we should pray of things of not importance. Who should I marry? Who should I, should I date her or not? Should I, you know, a lady, should I date him or, or not? Well, God will guide you. He will lead you. And it's interesting, out of the eight or nine billion, I forget the number now, but I think around eight billion people on planet Earth, it's amazing that God has someone for you. And God can guide you to that person. And, and you can meet them and know, this, this is the will of God for my life. This is the person. I, I was raised up in Tennessee. Miss Vicky was raised up in Alabama. Uh, I mean, that's not a long way away, but it's about five hours uh, by car, uh, especially back in the day before interstate. It was five hours by car because I would make that trip as often as I had gas money when I was engaged and she was working so we'd get married. Uh, how, did, how does God do that? How did God take me as a young preacher boy and let me be the youth pastor for a summer for a church that never had a youth pastor for a summer since or before? And she just graduated high school. By the way, I wasn't looking to date. I was going to be the youth pastor. You don't go to youth pastors dating the, the girls in your youth group. I had no intentions of doing that. And nothing whatsoever. And I took her out to eat once at the end of the summer. But I, honestly, it wasn't really a date. There wasn't, I mean, I was just being nice. She was being nice. And we enjoyed talking about the war. And um, I went to say goodbye to her at the end of the summer. And that night, the Holy Spirit said, she's the one. And it, like, shocked me. Like, well, we weren't even dating. We liked each other's friends, but that was it. But the Holy Spirit said, she's the one. So the Holy Spirit of God has that capacity to lead you and guide you and direct you in every single area of life. And so he witnesses He's our guidance system. So not only is the Holy Spirit witness, the Holy Spirit reveals. He reveals the love of God. Romans chapter 5 verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of Christ is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. We know God loves us. Now, we also know we're not worthy of his love. 
But as a Christian, I know God loves me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He proved it in that he gave his son to die on Calvary. I know God loves me. How do I know that? Well, the Holy Spirit of God reveals that. The Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. And let me say that God does love you. And that's something the Holy Spirit of God wants you to know that you are loved. Yeah, but I'm not all that. I know, but you're loved. Yeah, but I don't do everything I should. I know, but you're loved. Well, yeah, but I've I've disappointed God. Well, no doubt, but you're loved. God wants you to know that you're loved. You're his child. God has no perfect children, but he loves every one of them. And we ought to as well as believers. Don't ever be guilty of looking down your nose at another Christian. Oh, they're not good enough. They're not what they should be. I know, and neither are you. Let's just love on them because God loves on them. You know, if we loved on Christians enough, they'd probably still be serving. They'd probably still go to church. They'd probably still love the Lord. But if Christians are judging You're not Christian enough. You know, you're not like little Christian, big Christian, really big Christian. You're just either Christian or non-Christian. If you trust that Christ is your Savior, you're good enough. God loves you. And the sinless record of Christ is in heaven for you. The love of God is revealed. The things of Christ, John chapter 16, verse 14 He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. The Holy Spirit will receive the things of Christ and show it unto you. So he's going to share with you, reveal you the things of Christ. You need to understand that. That's one reason why every time I read my Bible, I always pray, Holy Spirit of God, please enlighten me. Please help me to see what you have for me today. Please speak to me. Now, I've never done that reading a newspaper. I've never done that reading a Western. I've never done that uh, reading any other book. Lord, help me understand algebra. Well, maybe I have uh, back in the day. But when you pray, the Holy Spirit of God reveals the things of Christ. Also, that which God hath prepared for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse 10. And I want to read um, that in context. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, chapter 2, and verse 10. Let me get it here. And I want to read verse 9, because verse 9 I like to share whenever I uh, am at a funeral. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. That says you've never seen a place as beautiful as heaven. You've never heard of a place as beautiful as heaven. And in your wildest imagination, you've never dreamed of a place as beautiful as heaven. And yet the very next verse says, but... God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. 
So in other words, we do know about heaven. We do know it's beautiful. We haven't seen a detailed image of it, but we know it's beautiful. Why? The Holy Spirit of God has revealed to us We understand the things that are of God, the gifts that are of God, and we understand about heaven, and we know heaven's a wonderful place. And let me say, as we get older, it becomes very precious to us because we have a lot of friends there already, a lot of loved ones there already. And it becomes a very precious place, and there comes a time in our life with great expectation we are looking forward to the day that we get to go to heaven. I don't want to stay one day longer than God has usefulness for me here on planet earth because heaven is waiting for us as believers. The way into truth, John chapter 16, verse 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He'll guide you into the way of truth. And uh, he'll let you know what his will for your life is. It's not a secret thing. Uh, God doesn't want his will to be like hide and seek. It's hiding and you've got to seek it out. Now he wants to reveal his will to you. He's got a plan for every one of us. And he wants us to know that plan. Uh, When I uh, resigned my church that I started in Conway, Arkansas, I knew that God wanted me to start another church. I knew that. And uh, I just didn't know where. Where? I didn't feel like it'd be in the Bible Belt. I pastored in the Bible Belt, two churches. It's a wonderful place. It's a godly place compared to any place else in the world. But there's so many good churches. They don't need another one. Well, they probably do need a bunch of them. But uh, they are blessed beyond any other states around. On the billboards say, trust Jesus. I mean, you, you see the word of God almost everywhere. And then there's Oregon and Washington and California and other states. And so I'm praying, Lord, where do you want me to go? And so I pray about this. I pray about that. I pray about all these different things. I was praying about all the different parts of the country. I had researched. I had got information about different states. I had got information from 50 large cities in America. And I got, you know, back in the day, you'd write the Chamber of Commerce of that city, and they would send you all their information about the city and the stats of the city, the makeup of the city. Uh, You didn't Google it, but you got it in mail. And so I started researching there. And and then one day someone said, you know, Oregon is, I heard Oregon is the church with uh, the largest amount of unchurched people or the smallest amount of church people, either way you say it, the most unchurched state in the union. I said, you're kidding me. I said, that, that sounds like it might be a possibility. It sounds like they need a church. And so I started praying about that. When I started praying about it, every day, every day, I heard something about Oregon. I couldn't believe it. Every day. 
And I had never heard of Oregon unless I was reading about Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox, you know. And, and, but I started hearing about Oregon every single day. I was putting gas in my tank and talking to someone one day. I said, where are you from? He said, Oregon. I said, you're a long way from home. Yeah. I said, what's Oregon like? Yeah, it's beautiful. I said, this is beautiful too. He said, well, it doesn't compare to Oregon. I thought, whoa, must be a pretty place. Every day. And finally... We're praying about what, where God wants us to go. You could not believe how God directed Miss Vicki and I to know for sure that Oregon was the place. We heard about it every single day. And that went on for about uh, 30 to 40 days. And one day we're watching Andy Griffith and Aunt B made some kerosene pickles. And if you know, you know that and they tried to hide them and dump them and everything else. And so Barney had a plan. We're going to stop people on the road and just give them a, a, you know, a pint of these kerosene pickles. Terrible pickles. So they stop a car and they said, you know, you're the 10th visitor and you just won a prize. Here's these pickles. Barney, Barney says, now where are you from? He said, Portland, Oregon. And he says, you're a long way from home. That was supposed to be shot in North Carolina. It was shot in California, but it's supposed to picture North Carolina. That's a long way from home. And I look at Vicki, I said, yeah, I, can't, I can't believe that. We've heard every day about Portland and now on TV. I mean, we heard it in the news, something in the news about why would they share that when we're in Arkansas? What, who cared what happened in Oregon, but they shared it. And we said, I said, honey, where do you think God wants us to go? She said, I know. How about you? I said, I believe God wants us to go to Oregon and start a church. She said, me too. You know, we took the Oregonian for six months before uh, we ever moved here. When I moved here, I knew as much about Oregon probably than most people who grew up here. I studied it. I learned about it. But the Holy Spirit of God will guide you into all truth. Now let me share with you, God did not just have a plan for Mike and Vicki Mutchler. God has a plan for your life. God has a will for your life. And he will guide you into the way of truth. And thirdly, I want to say the Holy Spirit of God intercedes. Intercedes. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. For the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And then look at verse 27. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, in the weeks ahead, there's going to be uh, a session I will teach on the Holy Spirit, our prayer partner, our prayer partner. And I will come back to these verses again, but I'm not going to go in detail right now. But I am going to say that in verse 26, the word intercession is used. 
And in verse 27, the word intercession is used. Those are two different Greek words. Two different Greek words. One means to be your helper, to be your helper. So in other words, it's like a lawyer that goes to court with you. But the second word intercession means to intercede on your behalf. It's like the lawyer that goes to court when you don't have to, but they go in your behalf and they stand before the judge on your behalf. So it means the Holy Spirit of God uh, is helping you as you pray and the Holy Spirit of God is helping you once you leave prayer, the Holy Spirit of God is still interceding. Because the Bible says, for we, with groanings which cannot be other, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Have you ever had situations? Of course you have as a Christian. You've had situations where you wanted to pray about something, but you didn't know how to pray about it. You've got someone in your family that's going through a tough time and, and you want to pray, Lord, get rid of that tough time. But then you think, well, maybe they need that to draw them closer to the Lord. I don't know. You know, everything bad in our life doesn't cause bad. A lot of things bad in our life causes us to turn around and go in the right path. God has a way of getting our attention. So rather than pray, Lord, resolve this matter, you think, well, maybe I, I, maybe I shouldn't pray that. And so you wind up praying, Lord, have your will in their life. Help them to see your hand in this situation. Lord, please do what you know is best to do. And so you, you yield to the Holy Spirit because you don't know how, you don't know what to pray for as you ought. You don't know what, should I do this? Should I pray this way or that way? You don't know sometimes. And many times we just don't know. But we know the Holy Spirit of God does. So he's our helper, but he's also our interceder. He prays with us. He prays on behalf of us. He intercedes. And so we'll get to in, in that in a few weeks ahead. And then the Holy Spirit of God calls. We're going to end with this one. The Spirit of God calls. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. How do you, how do you get in Christian ministry? How do, how do you become a pastor? Why would you want to be a pastor? Is what other people would question. Well, the only obvious answer is because God called me to do this. It's, it's, not a, it's not a profession you would seek out if you had choices. It's what the Spirit of God wants for your life. And I remember it as vividly as it was yesterday, uh, today. I mean, as though it was just a little while ago. I remember at 17 years of age on July 5th, 1972, I just graduated high school. But uh, I, on the 4th, I'd listened to some young preachers preach from Bible college. And, um, and I just enjoyed it. We had a great time. I was with other Christian friends from other, Christ other churches. And the next day, I'm back at work 
working early in the morning and I'm, I'm seeing myself preaching, preaching. And so I'm preaching in front of crowds and I just am daydreaming about preaching. Now, who does that? Who does that? No electrician does that unless God's calling him to do something. Nobody does that unless God's starting speaking to your heart about doing something for the Lord. And here I am working in a laundromat, an industrial laundromat, working on uniforms, pulling things out of a 300-pound washer, eight foot long, about two and a half feet diameter, and I'm pulling out all that wet stuff to put it in a 12-foot diameter dryer, and, and it dawns on me after three hours, I'm a little slow. It takes me a long time, but I understood. The Holy Spirit of God was speaking to me about preaching. And I bowed my head right there, almost putting my head in the washer, saying, Lord, if you're calling me to preach, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. At 16, I heard, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And that's all I wanted to do with my life is the will of God. That's all. And he called me to preach. And I went home. I've told this story many times. You could probably tell it better than I could. I went home and went through the garage into our house. My mother's washing dishes. I said, Mama. She turned around. I said, God, has called me to preach. She says, that's wonderful, son. And she goes back to washing dishes. I say, Mama. She turned around. I said, Mama, you don't understand. God has called me to preach. And she dried her hands and came over and gave me a hug and said, I'm so happy for you. I said, me too. Mom, I don't know anything about this. I don't even know if I could do it. But God called me to preach. Mom, I'm so happy. I can't, I can't believe it. God called me to preach. Wow. Wow. You know, God has a call for your life too. And it may not be to preach. It may not be a missionary. It may not be this or that. But God has a call for you. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. It's the Holy Spirit of God who calls us into the work of God and he wants us to be involved in. And where has he called you lately? Is he calling you to a ministry? Is he calling you to a work? Is he calling you to do something for the Savior? We've got to listen. With so much noise in this world, if you listen to God, it's going to be on purpose. Because he usually speaks in a still, small voice. And we've got to be focused and we've got to be listening and we've got to be close enough that we can hear what he's saying. And I hope this study on the Holy Spirit will continue to help. We have many more weeks to go and I trust that the Holy Spirit of God 
will make your Christian life as exciting and you'll feel empowered, not because you deserve it, not because you're good enough, just because the Holy Spirit of God wants to do that in the life of a believer. He wants to empower your home, your family, your relationship, your marriage, your studies, your college, your church. You just, you just name the area of your life and the Holy Spirit of God wants to be very active in that area. And he wants to bring his power and his blessing for his glory to exalt Jesus and to be a blessing to his children. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will continue to speak to our hearts as we study the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit of God, thank you so much for all you do in our lives as believers. We're just amazed at how you work in our lives, how you guide us, how you speak to us, how, you, how much trouble you've kept us out of, Holy Spirit, because you said no. And when our flesh said yes, your will said no. And we thank you for that. You've been so kind to us, so gracious. And Holy Spirit, when we've grieved you at times in our life, you didn't hate us for it. You loved us through it. You brought us back to that close relationship with the Savior. I thank you for the times you've empowered us and the ways you've done it. Not for our glory, not because we're something, because you're something. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your work in our lives. And I pray that every believer here will come to understand your working in their lives. And for those who are watching online, dear Father, I pray that they too will sense the Holy Spirit working in their life and they'll understand that you've got a plan and you've got a purpose and you've got a work for them that you're calling them to. And help us to be very sensitive to hear your voice. And I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet. The piano's playing. Let God speak to your heart. You may bow your head and talk to the Lord. bless you. Joy to have each one of you here and Merry, no Merry Christmas is over. Happy New Year. I'll get it right. Well, we're just a few days away from um, next Monday is a whole new year. This one's gone so fast. And especially as you get older, it seems like it's, it's just flying by. But uh, praise the Lord, he's been good to us. God bless you. You're dismissed. Mm-hmm.